Welcome to the podcast of Redeemer Baptist Church of Panama. We hope that you enjoy the sermons and other audio provided by us. Feel free to share what you find here, and we hope that it will be beneficial to you as you seek to know and follow Christ. If you would, turn in your Bibles to Genesis chapter 23. Genesis chapter 23. We are going through the life of Abraham, and we are almost to the end. Um, Just a little bit of a preview. Um, When we finish with Abraham's life, um, I'm going to be breaking from Genesis and going and doing a New Testament book, and I'm thinking we're going to do 1 Timothy, because 1 Timothy is, uh, I think, very important when it comes to um, a church and how we understand what a church is and what the church leaders are supposed to do and things like that. And that's what uh, we'll be doing after we finish this section of Genesis. And then we'll come back and we'll pick up with Jacob's life. You might wonder, what about Isaac? Well, Isaac, I would say, is kind of a pivotal character. And by pivotal... I don't mean important. By pivotal, I mean he's like the pivot on a seesaw. Um, It is important, but it doesn't take up much time in the narrative here. We've got Abraham. We've got all these different chapters about Abraham, and Isaac is finally born. We've got basically two stories about him. We've got um, the sacrifice of Isaac, and we have a wife found for Isaac, and then as soon as that, those are over, we, we move into the life of Jacob and all that goes on there. Now, Isaac is a part of that too, but Isaac seems to be a kind of a, a minor character, just something to, um, to think about as we consider the Scriptures here. Tonight, we're looking at um, the death of Sarah. A couple of things right off the bat here. Um, The text tells us how old Sarah was. She was 127 years old when she died. Um, And and there's a couple of things I think we should notice about here. One, this kind of picks up on something we've already seen in the book of Genesis. When we had the genealogy back in chapter 5, it would tell us, This person lived for so many years and they died. This person lived for so many years and they died. This person lived for so many years and they died. And then it was interrupted by these bigger narratives that told the stories. Well, here we see Sarah lived 127 years. These were the the years of the life of Sarah. And so we have something kind of reminding us of what took place before. And also... Among all these genealogies where we're given how many years a person lived and they died, Sarah's the only woman. She was important. She's the only woman listed in all of those lists. So that ought to say something about how important that Sarah was. Let's go ahead and look at our text. Sarah lived 127 years, and these were the years of the life of Sarah. And Sarah died at Kiriath Arba, that is Hebron, in the land of Canaan. And Abraham went in to mourn for Sarah, 
and to weep for her. And Abraham rose up from before his dead and said to the Hittites, I'm a sojourner and a foreigner among you. Give me property among you for a burying place that I may bury my dead out of my sight. The Hittites answered Abraham, Hear us, my Lord, you are a prince of God among us. Bury your dead in the choicest of our tombs. None of us would withhold from you his tomb to hinder you from burying your dead. Abraham rose and bowed to the Hittites and the people of the land, and he said to them, If you are willing that I should bury my dead out of my sight, hear me and entreat for me Ephron, the son of Zohar, that he may give me the cave of Machpelah, which he owns. It is at the end of his field. For the full price, let him give it to me in your presence as property for a burying place. Now, Ephron was sitting among the Hittites, and Ephron the Hittite answered Abraham in the hearing of the Hittites, all of whom, all who, uh, of all who went in at the gate of his city. No, my Lord, hear me. Give, I give you the field, and I give you the cave that is in it. In the sight of the sons of my people, I give it to you. Bury your dead. And Abraham bowed down before the people of the land. And he said to Ephron in the hearing of the people of the land, But if you will, hear me. I give the price of the field. Accept it from me that I may bury my dead there. Ephron answered Abraham, My Lord, listen to me. A piece of land worth 400 shekels of silver. What is that between you and me? Bury your dead. Abraham listened to Ephron, and Abraham weighed out for Ephron the silver that he had named in the hearing of the Hittites. 400 shekels of silver, according to the weights current among the merchants. So the field of Ephron in Machpelah, which was to the east of Mamre, the field with the cave that was in it, and all the trees that were in the field throughout its whole area was made over to Abraham as a possession in the presence of the Hittites before all who went in at the gate of his city. After this, Abraham buried Sarah, his wife, in the cave of the field of Machpelah, east of Mamre, that is Hebron, in the land of Canaan. The field and the cave that is in it were made over to Abraham as property for a, by, for a burying place by the Hittites. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word. We believe that all scripture is profitable for reproof and instruction and righteousness. And Father, we Pray now that you give us ears to hear and eyes to see. Lord, that you would help us to understand what you want us to know from this text about your character and about what you have accomplished among your people. Lord, we love you. In Jesus' name, amen. 
As I've already alluded to, Sarah is the first woman, or the only woman, among all of the people that we see listed that she lived so many years and she died. And this reminds us back of the genealogy that kept saying this familiar refrain over and over and over again, and he died, and he died, and he died, and he died. It is, a, it is an echo, I think, that reminds us even further back to what God commanded Adam and Eve in the garden. God commanded Adam and Eve not to eat of the fruit of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, for in the day that they would eat it, they would die. And God was gracious, and He did not immediately strike them dead, but He, he allowed them to live, He allowed them to uh, have seed, to, to have descendants who would then carry on the human race. But the moment they took of that fruit, there was a death sentence. And we see that carried out through the genealogy. Each generation lived so many years, and he died. And now Sarah lived 127 years, and Sarah died in the land of Canaan. This is a reminder that each one of us will one day die. While we are promised um, eternal life in Jesus, we live in a time that is already, but not yet. We are already, in Jesus, partakers of eternal life. He has given us eternal life, and that is ours. But while we still live in this in-between time, while we await His coming again, we still experience physical death. And each one of us, if the Lord tarries, will experience physical death. There is a 100% rate of this happening. If we live long enough and Jesus tarries, we will die. So, the consequence of that is we need to face that reality. And we need to live in the fear of God. Knowing that one day, we will stand before Him. One day, we will stand before Him and we will account for everything we've ever done. Every careless word we've ever spoken. We will all physically die. And yet, there is the promise of eternal life to those who trust in Jesus. When we look to Him, we know that when He died, we died. When He died, we were buried with Him. And that's what our baptism says. We were buried with Him. Our sins were put on Him. And He experienced the death that we deserve. He experienced the wrath of God that we deserve as a part of our punishment. So when we trust in Him, we don't have to fear the death that will come to all of us. It should cause us to live within the fear of God, just like Peter tells us to live in the fear of God. But at the same time, it is not a dread. It is not some kind of a fear that leaves us wondering, well, I hope I don't go to hell. If we're trusting in Jesus, we are already forgiven. We have eternal life. And we just await the coming 
again. We'll be laid into the ground like Johnny had read from. We'll be buried. And one of these days, Jesus will come again and those tombs are going to open. Jesus... The Bible tells us that on that day, everybody's going to be there. The the seas will give up their dead. Those people who died at sea, who were buried at sea, they'll give up their dead. Everyone will be there. People who had had died in in fires, whose whose, whose, uh, bodies were destroyed, they will be there on that day. Jesus will come and in a twinkling of an eye will be changed and will be there with Him. That's a lot out of Sarah lived 127 years and she died. Another thing that we need to see here. We remember Abraham was given basically three promises. He was promised land, seed, and blessing. He waited all those years being told... I'm going to give you descendants as many as the stars of the sky and as of the sand of the seashore. And with all of those years of waiting and, and, and sometimes having stumbles in his faith where he didn't believe God and tried to go another way, God was still faithful to His promise and Isaac, the son of promise, was born. And we see that was a fulfillment, a down payment on the fact that God was keeping His promise of descendants. God was keeping His promise that uh, Abraham would have a seed, a descendant. Abraham didn't live to see all of the descendants that he would have, but he saw Isaac. Um, And God promised Abraham that he would have blessing. And we can see throughout the story of Abraham how he was blessed. He was blessed materially. He, he had um, all kinds of herds, uh, sheep, cattle, all kinds. And he had money. And we'll see that in this text. That he, he was materially blessed. He had all kinds of servants. But you know, one thing that he didn't have was the other thing that God promised him. It was land. Land, seed, and blessing. Abraham here tells us he was a sojourner and a stranger. He did not possess any land of his own. He lived in the land of Canaan. And one of the things we see here in this text as a whole is that God gives a down payment on his promise to Abraham that he would have land. All of Abraham's life, he, he, was, he was promised, go to a land that I will show you. And I'm going to give you all of this land, God tells him. But he never possessed it. And when he finally does, it's a cemetery. Just a down payment. Like Isaac was a down payment. Isaac was just one child. But he was the father of the nation of Israel. And the down payment on God's promise to Abraham that he would have land, 
was just a cemetery. Let's continue to look at the text here. Abraham went in to mourn for Sarah. He loved her. He mourned and he wept. There's two words there. It's not just he mourned. But he mourned and he wept. You can imagine, he probably went through all of the customary uh, rituals for mourning and, and he probably tore his clothes. He probably pulled his beard. He probably did all of those things that would be custom, sat in sackcloth and ashes, whatever was customary for mourning. And he wept. He wept because of the loss of his wife. And Abraham rose up from before his dead, and he said to the Hittites, the Hittites, who are these Hittites that he's talking to? Literally, in the Hebrew, whenever it says Hittites, it's, it's literally written, the sons of Heth. It's translated the Hittites, but you kind of get the idea, they're the sons of Heth. And when we, when we think about who the Hittites were, we don't need to go to archaeology to figure that out. All we need to do is turn to Genesis 10. And in Genesis 10, we see the table of nations, and we see the descendants of Noah, uh, uh, Shem, Ham, and Japheth. And we know what took place with one of these sons, Ham. We remember back to that story. The flood was over. Noah built a vineyard. He planted a vineyard. And Ham... Noah was was drunk in his tent, naked, and Ham somehow dishonors his father, and Noah curses, not Ham, but he curses his son, Canaan, and says that uh, Canaan's children, descendants, are going to live within the tents of Shem. Uh, Ham, or not Ham, Canaan's second son that's listed in his genealogy is Heth. So the Hittites, the sons of Heth, are a descendant of Canaan. These people are Canaanites. They're people that were cursed according to Genesis chapter 9 when the story took place by Noah. So Abraham went and rose up before his dead and said to the Hittites, I am a sojourner and a foreigner among you. Again, this is Abraham. He's describing his situation. I'm a sojourner and a foreigner. He's not somebody who possesses the land. He's living as a foreigner. This is not his home. He's living as an alien. And you know, that's how God calls us to live. First Peter tells us we're strangers and aliens. We're to live as exiles in this world. Our, our citizenship is in heaven. We don't live by the rules of this world. We live by the rules of our king. Abraham lived that way. He was a sojourner and a foreigner in this land. And Abraham asks the Hittites, the sons of Heth, for property for a burying place. He wants land. He wants something that's his. He doesn't want to just borrow land. 
He doesn't want to just be able to bury Sarah in one of the Hittite graves. No, he wants land that is recognized as his own. So when he says this, what do the Hittites respond? The Hittites answered Abraham, Hear us, my lord. You're a prince of God among us. Bury your dead in the choices of our tombs. None of us will withhold from you his tomb to hinder you from burying your dead. Notice, they're not giving him land. They don't want to give him land. Instead, they want to just say, here, bury him in one of our, bury her in one of our tombs. Right? Uh, it's still going to remain the Hittites' tomb. And according to the customs of the day, he, he could lay the body there in the tomb, and after the body would decompose, they would then kind of sweep the bones up and put them in a box, or maybe even just push them to the back of the tomb and be able to be used for someone else. This would not be a possession, an eternal possession for Abraham. And Abraham realizes this. He's not going to settle for just being able to put his wife in a tomb that's not really his. So he responds to their, what sounds like maybe a generous offer. And he says, Abraham rose and bowed to the Hittites, the people of the land, and he said to them, if you're willing that I should bury my dead out of my sight, hear me and entreat Ephron, the son of Zohor, that he may give me the cave of Machpelah, which he owns. It's at the end of his field. Abraham had just the spot picked out. He knew exactly where he wanted. He wasn't just wanting any grave. He wanted this spot. And he says, for the full price, let him give it to me in, or in your presence as, a, pro- as a, a property for a burying place. He's saying, I'm not going to accept this as, as just, you know, hey, go ahead and bury her. Sell it to me. I'll pay the full price, whatever it is that you ask, because I want it to be mine. And he says, um, let him give it to me in your presence as a property for a burying place. This is how a customary real estate transaction would take place. It had to be in the presence of witnesses. So it would be recognized as a real legal transaction. Abraham wasn't wasn't, uh, going to settle for just a handshake. He wanted a legal deed to the property. Verse 10. So Ephron was sitting there among the Hittites. He was there already. And Ephron, the Hittite, answered Abraham in the hearing of the Hittites, all who went to the gate of the city. He said, no, my Lord, hear me. I'll give you the field. And I'll give you the cave that's in it. In the sight of the sons of my people, I give it to you. Now, that seems like a pretty generous offer, right? Not only am I going to give you the cave you're asking for, I'm going to give you the whole field. It's yours, Abraham. Abraham, I'm guessing he doesn't trust this offer. You know, if, if he just gives it to him, he's not going to be giving, giving a, a deed to the property. He's not going to, it's not going to be recognized as his. 
It didn't cost him anything. And what happens if Ephron just decides to change his mind? No, Abraham won't settle for that. He wants a legal binding contract to say, no, this is, this is mine. So, Abraham bowed down before the people of the land. And he said to Abraham in the hearing of the people of the land, but if you will, hear me, I give the price of the field. Accept it from me that I may bury my dead there. Abraham doesn't seem like a good haggler, does he? Here, I'm going to give it to you for free. No, I'm going to pay. (laughs) When you haggle with somebody over a price, John, do you have uh, experience with that? (laughs) When you haggle with somebody over the price, you know, your, your object is to try to get them down if you're wanting to buy something. But no, Abraham's like, no, I'm, I'm going I'm to pay more. I'm going to pay what it's worth. So, um, accept the full price for me and I'll bury my dead. And Abraham answered, or Ephron answered Abraham, my Lord, listen to me. A piece of land worth 400 shekels of silver What's that between you and me? Barry, you're dead. So Ephron here kind of gives a hint at what he wants. This is his asking price. 400 shekels of silver. We don't really, as, as, as people today, modern, we don't really understand what 400 shekels of silver is. Um, one of the things I was reading was a, a, a common laborer would probably not expect to see 400 shekels of silver in their lifetime. I mean, this is a lot of money. It's, it's way overcharging for what the land would be worth. Uh, Ephron is saying, well, yeah, sure, if you want this property, you can, give it to, you can give me 400 shekels of silver. Probably thinking, well, Abraham's not that much. He's not going to pay that much. What does Abraham do? Abraham listened to Ephron, and Abraham weighed out for Ephron the silver that he had named in the, in the hearing of the Hittites. 400 shekels of silver according to the weights current among the merchants. For Abraham, this extravagant, uh, overpriced land, the, the, the asking price was way, way, way too much. Abraham, for him, it was like a drop in the bucket. It was like, no, I'm not going to need it anymore. I'm going to be dead soon. <laughs> right? Uh, Abraham, he, he just weighs out the silver. It would have probably have been about 100 pounds of silver. He weighs it out and drops it like it's nothing because he wants to see the promise of God fulfilled. God had blessed Abraham. Land, seed, and blessing. He blessed him with all kinds of servants, with all kinds of of, uh, livestock. He blessed him with all kinds of money. And and it was God's blessing that enabled Abraham to be able to pay him this exorbitant, overpriced amount. And notice it says, according to the weights current among the merchants. Abraham is going to do this legit. He's going to do it. uh, He's going to follow the law to the letter. He's not going to try to cheat anybody. He's doing exactly what he was told the price was be. He just, when you buy a house, 
Do you automatically just offer the asking price? No. You offer something a little bit low and hope to buy come come somewhere in the middle, right? Abraham doesn't do that. He weighs out the money and he gives it so that he can bury Sarah there and he can have property of his own. Verse 17. So the field of Ephron in Machpelah, which was to the east of Mamre, the field with the cave that was in it, and all the trees that were in the field throughout his whole area was made over to Abraham as a possession in the presence of the Hittites before all who went in at the gate of the city. This is like, this is like a, a deed. It describes the cave, the, the description of the land, and you see, it even says all the trees that are there. This is a deed saying this is what Abraham has purchased. And um, Abraham, let's see, and after this, Abraham buried Sarah, his wife, in the cave of the field of Machpelah, east of Mamre, that is Hebron, in the land of Canaan. We've seen that, that phrase, in the land of Canaan, twice now. At the beginning, and Sarah died in Kiriath Arba, that is Hebron, in the land of Canaan, at the very beginning. And here we see it again at the end. Abraham listened to Ephraim, and Abraham weighed out, oh, I'm sorry, the wrong one. To, um, before all who went out of the city, oh, see. after this, Abraham buried Sarah, his wife, in the cave of the field of Machpelah, east of Mamre, that is Hebron, in the land of Canaan. The land that God had promised to give to Abraham was the land of Canaan. Abraham buried Sarah in the land that he, he had been promised by God to possess. The field and the cave in it were made over. Here it repeats it again. This is a legal transaction. They were made over to Abraham as a property for a burying place by the Hittites. And this is important. Not only is Sarah buried there, but also Abraham is buried there. And we read later as it comes up in the, in the narrative, Isaac is buried there. And Rebekah is buried there. And Jacob is buried there. After Jacob goes down to Egypt, after Jacob goes down to Egypt, whenever Joseph is down there, after he dies, they take him back up to the very same cave, the cave where Sarah was buried, and he's buried there too. And so is Leah. I didn't check to see where Rachel was buried. But Leah was buried there as well. And this was a down payment on the promise. And then as we think about this, this promise of land, Moses was writing this down. Moses was the one writing this down at a time when the people of Israel were getting ready to go in and they were going to possess all of the promised land. And as, as you can consider, the, early, the, the earliest recipients of this, this book, as Moses wrote it down to the people of Israel, they would have read this and remembered, God's already been fulfilling. He's already been at work and He's fulfilling this promise to give land to Abraham and his seed. God's already promised us this land. It's rightfully ours. 
as they would go in and they would possess the land. And the land of Israel grew. They went in and they possessed the land. When Solomon became king, it grew and extended its borders. And then eventually, because of their sin, Israel and Judah were cast out of the land again, but promised that one day they would be able to come back to the land. And they did come back to the land. And Jesus was born in this land. And as He taught His disciples, the meek shall inherit the earth. The word there, I imagine, when Jesus taught, it's two different languages. Jesus was probably speaking Aramaic. It's written down in the New Testament in Greek. But I can just imagine when Jesus said the, weak, the, the, the meek shall inherit the earth, He was probably using the same word that's used in Genesis 1. The meek shall inherit the land. As believers, God has promised us a home that we long for, that we look forward to. Jesus said, I go away to prepare a place for you. And we, just like we sang, and I'm bound for the promised land, we, we're not looking for some real estate in Israel. We're looking forward to the mansions in glory. We're looking forward to the place that He has for us. Amen? God was faithful to His promise to Abraham. God gave him land, seed, and blessing. He gave him land. God was faithful to His promise to Abraham. His descendants possessed all of the land of Canaan. And He will be faithful to His promise to us. When we trust in Jesus, He has gone away to prepare a place for us. He will be faithful to that promise. When He comes again, He has a place for us. We will enter that rest. Amen? Thank you for listening to this message from Redeemer Baptist Church of Panama. For more information, please visit us at RedeemerBaptistPanama.com or you can like us on Facebook.